0: Welcome to the Baylor Line Foundation podcast. I'm your host, Craig Cunningham. I'm also the editor of the Baylor Line magazine. Today, we have a conversation with Sherry Casalow. For 30 years, she held my job as the editor of the Baylor Line magazine. She's also one of the co-founders of the Gospel Cafe, a missional restaurant in Waco that serves lunch on a pay-if-you-can basis. In this conversation, we talk about her years running the magazine, what makes an effective alumni publication, and how Baylor has changed over the years. Let's jump in. Okay, well, Sherry, thank you for joining us today. You're welcome. <laughs> so we're in the room where we keep all of our magazines from going back to 1946.
1: What, and all I'm looking at is empty shelves. I know, you're looking, you're looking
0: the wrong way, but uh, what's what is your initial reaction just seeing all those issues and thinking through the work you did for I guess thirty years.
1: Hmm. It was a good job. It was a wonderful. It was a wonderful match for me, both with my journalistic interest and my interest in Baylor. And now being, you know, one of the oldest living alumni, I really look back on this and think, yeah, there's good stuff in there.
0: So tell us how you got started in this job and, and mm-hmm. kind of what your first year was like.
1: You know that it's really kind of kind of clouded in mystery how I got the job. I knew George Stokes, who was the executive director, mainly because I knew his wife, Katie Stokes, who had been a Sunday school teacher over at Seventh and James when I was a college student, so I'd gotten to know them. But it was really sort of out of the blue that he said, Would you like to edit the Baylor line? Um, Enid Markham had been doing it since the memory of man runneth not to the contrary, (laughs) he used to say. She had been doing it forever. And if you look back, it's a whole different kind of magazine. It was a very, um, very personalized view of things. And Enid was, would not have pretended to be a journalist. She would not have pretended to be a designer, but it had no sense of design. And um, nonetheless, people read it because it was like the little lady next door who knows everybody, uh-huh. and Enid knew everything. So. The time came, and she was about to retire, and George said, why don't you come be editor of the Baylor Line? And I said, why, you know? And it turned out that about the time I said, well, yeah, she decided she wanted three more years till she got to uh, whatever, 65 or whatever she was gonna Uh get, social security benefits. So I I did take the job. knowing it would be three years, and I taught freshman English for three years, which is a wonderful preparation for being an editor. I sit there in grade 60 papers, you know, most nights of the week, and get brushed up on all your grammar and all that stuff. So after I taught the English courses, um, and I had gotten a master's in American studies under the chairman of English, so we all had connections. And, but anyhow, I started in. Um, office was on the... Uh, third floor student union building up the stairs where nobody else went no elevator (laughs) Um, and just started editing the magazine
0: what was uh, the reaction it sounds like you made a lot of changes when you
1: it was a whole different magazine if you look at look at 68 and you'll see that there was another fellow that came in there and did two issues or one and then all of a sudden it began to have a um, a solid cover it was one picture instead of you know, just uh-huh. little bits and pieces of things spread on the cover. But I mean, I take no credit for the design changes. I just was fortunate to come into this at a time when we had somebody good with graphics at the Baylor Press. Okay,
0: So okay, I, I had said earlier that you, you worked 30 years, but how, how many years did you work at Baylor?
1: I started in 68 with the line and then I retired officially in 95. I've looked back recently and there were some kind of stages there in the last few years as we prepared. Paula Tanner became the editor. Yep. I looked her up today uh, online and Paula is, she's about to retire from Mary Hardin Baylor. She's vice president down there. Really? Yeah. And her background, you know, was in the editing mm. and I don't know how long she did the line, but she was, she was good.
0: What did, what did you enjoy about the job?
1: Oh, it's the most wonderful job in the whole world. But any kind of journalism job is that. You just have the perspective, um, and you have the you have the benefit of seeing most everything that's going on from different perspectives, so that you have the professors thinking one thing, you can talk to the students, and just have a, and it's an excellent place to be a journalist mm. with and the on, university.
0: And on the flip side, what were the things that you didn't like, or, or were some of the challenges of the job?
1: There were very few occasions, but there one one that really stands out in my mind in which development didn't want some things in the Baylor line.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And it was, look back on it, it was picky. But there was a demonstration, there's the Vietnam War days, and there was a demonstration on campus. And um, took a picture of it, put it in the Baylor line and development person, who shall go unnamed in this interview, uh, say, why did you run that? And I said, journalists answer, because it happened. Hmm. Well, there are people that'll be upset that we had a a, de- a demonstration on campus. And I said, it happened. You know, It's the only answer you have, but yet there are people that would want to make a little different image. They're, they're trying, trying to construct an image rather than report what happens.
0: Mm. So it sounds like in those days, even though the, the line was independent, there was a little more collaboration between the university and, and the magazine.
1: I wouldn't say collaboration. That would probably not be my word. Um, I had an open door with Herb Reynolds when he was president. And that probably shaped my years as much as anything else. Mm-hmm. There was, I had um, an interview with him in every issue after, you know, didn't start on day one. But there was nothing that I could not ask him. And that there was only one exception to that. Um, But I could come in and say, why did the trustees do this? Or why did you make this decision? And he would, he was just an open book. Hmm. But the one time there was a story in the Waco paper about a woman who was fired, who'd been on the staff at the student union Name I don't remember, and no one would recognize. But uh, I asked him about the firing, and he said, "Sherry, I never ask you not to run anything, but what I will tell you is, if I answer your question, this woman will never get another job." Mm. And he said, "I'm willing to just say I'm not going to answer that." And I said, "I understand. That's you know I'm not going to put he would not answer in there." Yeah, but. It didn't matter what was going on with, you know, with the regents, trustees, whichever we had back then. He was he was um, just so willing to explain everything. He was a big part of my quote success as editor. He was just someone that you could depend on to to be open.
0: Hmm. What uh, were there any stories in particular or or writers in particular that you that really are singled out in your mind as. Mm-hmm. Is things you look back on and think, wow, that was a a great,
1: a truly Mm -hmm. great story. Mm -hmm. Um, Nita Sue Kent, her husband was Calvin Kent in business school. And Nita is as good a writer as any magazine could want. And the other one is um, um, Catherine Dinsdale. Catherine, maiden name escapes me. Can we put that in later? Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Okay, yeah, because I know it. Um, Kathy was here visiting just a couple of weeks ago. We're still friends. But she was another one that just had that creative edge. Um, student writer at first. And so she wrote about um, all universities saying. And her lead, which I remember now, was that Waco Hall not so far from Broadway. You know, this the people that were writers, mm-hmm. who knew how to turn a phrase and who knew how to get to the heart of things. Mm. And Nita Sue is, uh, I think she was the best investigative writer that we ever had, just someone who, even though her husband was a faculty member, she knew how to get the stories written. Hmm. So I gave these people $100, you know, maybe maybe 150 for writing a story. I don't know what you'd pay anybody now. But.
0: Yeah, a little more than that, but yeah. it's still it's yeah. still not uh, but it what was they deserve.
1: It was big money in those days. Yeah. You know? Sound like it's a hundred years ago and it wasn't, but it, they hadn't, and no one had been paid for writing for it before that.
0: Hey, if you're interested in news and updates about Baylor, I want to invite you to sign up for our Friday Five email. Uh, it's a very short email that goes out every Friday morning with five of the top stories that happened at Baylor that week. You can sign up at backslash friday Five. Let's get back to our conversation. So what, what do you? How did you see the magazine? What purpose did you see it ultimately serving?
1: You know, I just wanted it to be an open window into the university for the alumni. I didn't have any um, any blade to sharpen or anything that I was trying to make happen. I just think it should be a way that alumni could see what was going on, understand it.
0: So you saw, obviously. The, the organization changed a lot over the years and and leading up to you know the building in 2013 mm-hmm. and all that stuff were there any seeds of that at the towards the end of your um, your time as editor did you did you ever anticipate there would come a day where things would get as messy as they did
1: mm. no but then I've never particularly claimed a gift of prophecy I <laughs> no I don't
0: Hmm. Yeah, well, that was, I guess that would have been, you if you left in 95, there was still another decade of right. things yep. beyond that.
1: Right, um, and and I cared very much when it happened. I, I still do, because an independent voice is is what the university needs. Baylor needs that as much as the alumni needed. Because when you control everything, um, that's just the beginning of deception and manipulation. And, you know, I can put some more nasty words on it, I guess. But um, I was just brought up when there was nothing to hide.
0: Um, I'll ask you a little more about the, the Bayline later. But one thing that's interesting to me about you and, and, and what you're doing now is working at the Gospel Cafe.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: So tell us how you got involved in that, and what that is, and kind mm-hmm. of why you're, yeah. you're doing that.
1: I was looking back at the the timeline of this. Um, I was part of a small church that was beginning, and under the leadership of an alumnus. And the three of us who were founders, I just happened to have. Uh, maybe you've seen this. Let me take we received the W.R. White Award. Oh yeah. But we were all Baylor alums, and things circumstances brought us together with the idea that. Church should be something beyond just going there on Sundays. And we really felt called to be with the poor. So we bought this building for $5,000 <laughs> and began the Gospel Cafe. And uh, it's still going. Now, this was in the 90s, 95-ish. Um, and we serve Wednesday, Thursday, and Friday, two hours. And probably an average an average of 150 people a day. So there have been days way up in the 200s, and they have Seldom let well, never less than 100. Um, All volunteers that work there, different churches, um, First Woodway. um, They're one day, Spring Baptist Church sends a crew one day a month. So we have volunteers, but sometimes there are groups that come. Um, And so, yeah, this is something I had absolutely no experience in. First day we were there, a good friend of mine made a big pot of spaghetti and we had maybe five people. (laughs) So it, you know, it's just something that you grow into just like you grow into being an an editor, I guess. Yeah.
0: I was was just making that connection too. And you said somebody asked you, hey, do you want to edit the magazine? And then Mm -hmm. years later, you're part of a
1: (laughs) a ministry. Is it a ministry
0: (laughs) or a restaurant? How would you describe it? Or a little bit of both.
1: Yeah, uh, we don't do any uh, evangelizing. We don't have the staff to do counseling. Once we had um, uh, a guy, Bob Thrift, who was the therapist, and he came in, and after we closed, he just had a little group therapy session. And we could do more, but I think given the limitations now of um, age and time, we just, we're just we not doing a whole lot more than having the cafe. and. Give away some money. <laughs> John Cowley, who is a Baylor law graduate, is uh, in charge of the dining room, and I'm in charge of the kitchen. Okay. And so I work. I get down. Well, I shop from nine nine thirty. We open at eleven thirty. We I get away at three. close at one day.
0: So are you? Are you the one actually cooking the food? No. Okay. You no. I'm
1: the executive. <laughs> I see.
0: You, 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 you decide what's going to be served. In no, some ways. no. I don't okay. even
1: do that. I just have good cook. All right. And one is the wife of a professor. Um, another one is, I don't know how I got her. But, you know, there's an individual who does Thursdays and an individual does Fridays. But there's First Baptist Day and there's Day Spring Day. And, uh-huh. You know, just shuffling all that around and being sure there's somebody to do every job.
0: Yeah,
1: and I'm the I'm the person they see first. I'm the one person who's there every day, because I'm the take your order. What would you like today? Mm-hmm. I'd like chili dogs. Okay, what do you want on those? You want onions? You want mustard? What you know? Mm-hmm. And I'm just relaying all this information. I see.
0: Well, let me ask you this, because uh, you you were in my role. I've only been here for a little while, but you were here for a long time. What advice would you give to me, as the editor of the magazine?
1: I, you know, I don't even know what, what um, barriers you face. I know you're greatly limited with resources, financially, staff. You're not even on campus. And I thought coming down here, my, my, my advice some years back was, isn't there some Baylor alumnus, we know several, who own apartment complexes down there. Okay, well, when I first said maybe they would give us one of those little old apartment things that had 20 units, you know, give us a building, and I drive by there now, and good heavens, everything is packed all the way on the other side of LaSalle. But a campus presence, I think, would be the first thing in the world to say we are an alumni association. Uh, Did they take our name away?
0: We are the we are not the yep. Baylor Alumni Association, we are the Baylor Line Foundation.
1: And that mattered to somebody.
0: It mattered to somebody. <laughs> what what do you think alumni need from an organization like us?
1: Hmm. Well, I think the association is where alumni feel like they belong to Baylor basically. And that's homecoming and class reunions and a magazine that Everybody has a chance to get once a year. Of course, how many alumni are there now?
0: Oh gosh, I don't know. I, I've seen different numbers, but mm-hmm. um, I'm not sure exactly. It's
1: well over what, hundred thousand or two? I think I've
0: seen like one hundred and fifty. Okay. But, um, again, yeah. that could be that could be wrong. Yeah.
1: And I don't know what you can do with that size group. And I also, I'm not the one to ask to compare online communication with print publication because I'm obviously a print person Mm -hmm. and I like seeing something there. Okay, personal thing. I think we tried to make too big a magazine. Mm. I've looked at those and I thought, good glory. This is like reading a novel. You know, I don't have time. I don't care about all these things, but give me about five good stories and some class notes. But how do you get class notes anymore? Do you do that?
0: Well, we don't we don't get a lot, but we, we kind of treat social media at, mm-hmm. at, in a way as class yeah. notes, and so when yeah. people give us information, we try right. to share that on social media. And, and
1: you you realize you've lost a whole bunch of alumni then.
0: Yeah, but th- unfortunately, we don't get a ton. I mean, you
1: have more on the other side. I understand that. Sure. Yeah.
0: Yeah, and, and so serving multiple audiences that mm-hmm. have different uh, that that interact yeah. on different mediums sure is is always a challenge. Yeah. And
1: I wouldn't know how to do what you're doing today. Um, so I recognize, I speak from one perspective and that's the print medium.
0: Mm-hmm. And even print, as you know, the, the, uh, the cost of printing and shipping mm-hmm. is so prohibitive for us. And so that's, that's mm-hmm. there's some areas where we can save, you know, mm-hmm. instead of sending you know six magazines a year mm-hmm. and paying for the shipping of all that, it's cheaper to do bigger ones and send less. So yeah. we just, you know, we're we're we're, we're kind of navigating all okay, those here, all those different issues. Here's
1: something somebody said that I, you know, I just held it in my head. None of your alumni wake up in the morning saying, "Oh, I wonder what's happening at Baylor today." <laughs> you know, don't even assume that. Right. Know that they are interested in Baylor, but they're you're not the everyday concern. So if you can give them something that can lie on. And I know this is true for me with a lot of things. I get too many magazines now, but it could lie over here, and they'd pick it up, and maybe there'd be one or two stories. There would be a professor's name they knew, or a building, or bears. You know, there would be one or two stories that might grab alumni B or, or alumni D in terms of what they did. Mm. Is it a, you know, someone who was a theater major, Paul Baker? You know, I'm thinking that's been a recent story. Something about him. Um, yeah, it's it's a big job, and increasingly with, Baylor's huge now. It
0: is. How
1: many are there?
0: Thirty. It's no, it's not quite that big. Uh, with, I think the undergrad is like fourteen thousand, and then um, and you add graduate students. You're, you know. You're, another five, maybe. Be, yeah, maybe another five. Okay, and that, and well, I, I had
1: gotten year. an ex- exaggerated number of that, but that's because uh, I was thinking, you know, five to ten.
0: Right, but that same. that under that graduate number is mm-hmm. going to continue to grow as they mm-hmm. move sure. towards R one. So sure,
1: is, and the other it is thing, it's changing
0: a lot. Better's changed even since I was there in you know, two thousand eight. It's
1: here's another thing I think. Right now, if you could in any way. Um, be a bridge to the alumnus coming back. I drove around campus with a friend about two or three weeks ago. Did I get lost? There was a place where, where I literally was not sure where I was. My son worked in, um, Bill worked in the business school. He um, helped with that transition into the new building. He put in the, all the TVs all over the building, that kind of the communications mm-hmm. inside the building. But I remember being lost trying to find him, and then there was a new parking garage and he showed me how to get there. But if I'm an alumnus and I come back to Baylor, say I graduated before 2000, um, help me, <laughs> help me. There's not even a good visitor center that's yeah. central. And I know that Baylor's going in that new area out there.
0: I think they're working on that, but. It's probably years. Visitor center. Yeah. yeah,
1: but for the for the alumni magazine, what what can you do to bridge the alumnus who graduated, say even twenty years ago, and knowing what's going on now?
0: Yeah, it is. A, it is a a shock if you haven't been on campus mm-hmm. in a long time. Oh, it, it is. Can be, it can be it a shock, and how much it's changed. Yeah,
1: you can get not even know where to park. Right when you come in there. And then the other thing is, I really think it's important for you to make the president um, human, Hmm. you know, so that they have a sense of connection there. And of course, all the stories you can pull in with, you know, the um, well-known names and professors. You
0: know, that is a that is an interesting point you make because when I talk to alumni that are closer to your age, Mm -hmm. they
1: there aren't many that are closer to my age. I realize that.
0: Well, I'll say older alumni. Yeah. They, they talk, they often talk about the president of the university that, mm-hmm. that was a, a special person mm-hmm. uh, in their lives or in their development, or, in, mm-hmm. in, you know, they, they connect better with the president. And so mm-hmm. I think that's a good, yeah. that's good advice to to kind of bring that figure back. Thank okay. you so much for. Oh, I've
1: given you a load more than you asked for.
0: No, no, I love talking to you. Yeah. I'm, I'm you know, I've gone through so many old issues for various things, and mm-hmm. um, just seen your name mm-hmm. <laughs> over mm-hmm. decades being involved yeah. in this organization, mm-hmm. so.
1: Did Bob, has Bob been writing something for you, or what? why did he interview me? Yeah, it's for, it's for is us, so
0: okay. we'll, we'll have a story about you mm-hmm. in the homecoming issue okay. of, of the line, okay. so early October.
1: World's oldest alumni. So. <laughs> I don't
0: think it's. I don't think it's titled that. It's titled yeah. something different. But well, I appreciate this. Thank you so much. Sure. Again, and, um, and if
1: uh, I'm incoherent, I will expect you to do something to. I'll, uh, cut that section out. I don't,
0: I don't think you were. So we should. Be
1: fine. <laughs> blah, 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 she babbled.
0: <laughs> All right. Well, thanks again. That was Sherry Casello. The Baylor Line Foundation is a nonprofit alumni organization that has been around since 1859. To learn more about what we do, check us out at BaylorLineFoundation.com. We'll see you next time.